welcome you online watching. Maybe you're watching from the campground or later in the week. I know there's some people in Lloyd that tune in and haven't yet made it here, but you're always welcome here, but we're glad you could join us online. Maybe some of, sometimes, you know, you, you don't feel good in the morning, you're a little scratchy throat or whatever, and you stay home, that's fine. The online option is a good one, but we're always glad to have you here in person with us too and, and learning and growing together. That's, that's really important to us. You know, we all got in trouble in our lives at different points, right? We, 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 you know what it feels like to, to break the rules, to, to get in trouble and, and to pay the consequences or whatever might, that might have been. But what happens when you get in trouble for doing the right thing? You know, when, when, when you're just doing what, what you've been told to do and, and, and someone says, stop doing that, what do you do? Because that's what we find ourselves in the book of Acts. And I was going to try to preach this last time I was preaching on the 12th, but I just got to this point in the message and I was like, nah, I don't want to rush through it. So let's just slow down and let's take a look at the end of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. We've got Peter and John who've been, who healed, Peter heals this lame man in Jesus' name, gets in trouble, they get thrown into prison, they get dragged before the Sanhedrin and all the elders, the who's who of Jerusalem and the, you know, the, the power mongers of a day. And basically they're like, who do you guys think you are? Who authorized you? And they're saying, in the name of Jesus, we did this. And they're not sure what to do. And they threaten them further and then release them. Let me remind you, these are the very same ones who handed Jesus over to be crucified. They are not afraid to stamp something out that seems to stand in opposition to what they're trying to do. And Peter and John have, have seen God move in mighty ways, in powerful ways, but now they're, 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 they've been threatened, they've been warned, they've been served, they've been summoned. What would you do? I mean, if, if, if you're a fighter, some of you may be inclined to, to, to fight this, to start a petition, to, to, you know, to do things like that. Others of you might, are flighters. You'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm running away. I'm going back to Galilee. I'm going you know, to go across the ocean to Italy. I'm going to find a new life and a new place with a new name. The threat was real. But what did they do? And what they did, I believe, serves as a reminder and an encouragement to, today to us. To what, what should we do? When we find ourselves in those situations where doing the right thing is actually wrong in the eyes of the people that are in authority around us, which in recent past in Alberta was the reality. So we, we are living in a, a time in history when this has actually happened in, in our jurisdiction. It says in verse 23, when they were released, Peter and John went to their fellow believers and reported everything the high priests and the elders said to them. What do they do? First of all, they, they go to, to their people, literally, as, as you could translate it that way. They went to their people, their peeps. They said, hey, this is what's happened. You know, they've got a new realm of, of association and, 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 and family there. It's, it's, it's the other believers. Said, Look, this is what's happened. This is what they said. What should we do. It says in verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices to God with one mind and said, and I'm going to stop there. We'll get to the prayer in a moment. 
They turned to God and brought it to him first. It's, good, good, it's a good practice for all of us. In those times of, of struggle, of trial, of difficulty, the, the first thing and the, the primary thing you should do is, is bring it to God first. Bring it to him. Lay it out for him. This is what they're doing here. We'll get there in a moment, but I wanted to just, just illustrate this with a story from the Old Testament. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. Maybe new to us, others of you. It's this king named Hezekiah. The kings of Judah and Israel, there were two kingdoms uh, after David and Solomon that split, and there was the northern tribes, the southern tribes, and the kings of Judah. Some were good, some were bad. Kings of the north, most were bad, all were bad. You know, so, but King Hezekiah was in the south. He was in Jerusalem, and he was a good guy. He cleaned up the house. He took down the high places. He returned worship to God in Israel and in, in Jerusalem. He, he was a good king. And he stopped paying tribute to the king of Assyria. You see, some of the kings, that's the way you, you get kings off your back, is you, instead of fighting them, you just start paying them off. The king of Assyria came down and surrounded the northern tribe, the Samaria, and, and after three years of a siege, they finally conquered Samaria, literally decimated it, took all the people out, displaced them around the world and, and, you know, and, and, and you know, the known world of the time. And, and, and for 10 years, uh, Hezekiah was okay. But then 10 years later, the king of Assyria comes back to Jerusalem. And on the way, he takes out every fortified city in Judah until it finally gets to Jerusalem. By this point, I'm guessing people have been streaming into Jerusalem from all these cities. And as he gets closer, Hezekiah panics. And he tries to solve it his way. So he's like, oh, I was wrong to, to rebel against you. Just tell me what you, you want me to do and, and, you know, then, and then leave us alone. You know, basically, what, what do you want? And they're like, well, give us some money. And so he, he strips the gold and the silver from all around Jerusalem, even for the temple, and he sends it out to the king thinking that this is going to appease him. You see, he's, he's solving the solution his way. And after sending all the wealth... <laughs> To the king of Assyria, the Assyrian king still sends an army with his commanding general to Jerusalem and says, okay, it's time to surrender. Hezekiah's feeble personal attempt has failed. Um, we have great ideas. But our ideas often fail us. And the advisors are like, it's your choice to surrender or, or, or not surrender. Uh, you know, because, you know, don't, don't let Hezekiah tell you that, that, you know, to trust in the Lord. Because look how all the other gods of all the other nations fell down in front of me. I'm the king of Assyria and I'm going to take you down too. Because he couldn't have this tiny little state, you know, operating in defiance to him. He needed to show everyone around that I am the boss. I'm the man. And now Hezekiah is scared. He's speaking in Hebrew, and, and the, the guys that are speaking to these, these you know, royal emissaries from Assyria are like, look, would you mind speaking in Aramaic so that the commoners don't hear what you're saying? He's like, oh, no, we're speaking in Hebrew. We want them to hear because in a short matter of time, they're going to be eating their own fecal matter and they're drinking their own urine. And that's literally what the Bible text says. If they don't surrender to me, it's clear bullying, intimidation. Now, of course... They've seen what he can do. 
to Samaria. They've seen what he can do to the other fortified cities in Judah. The Assyrians, if you resisted them, they would take your city and then they would, you know, slaughter the people they wanted to slaughter, often would leave a pyramid of skulls outside the gate. As a reminder to anyone, this is what happens. You don't surrender, this is what will happen to you. They were brutal, gory, violent. They would put fish hooks in the lips of their captors and chains, and, and you'd be chained to the person in front of you, and if they fell down, well, there goes your lip, you know? I mean, they just, they were brutal. And so these royal emissaries come back to King Hezekiah. Their clothes are torn because they're grieving. Hezekiah tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth, goes to the temple, a visible public place where everyone can see him, and, he's, and, and he just pour, he cries out to God. Finally, he's tried his own way, and now he's saying, Lord, I need your help. And he says, send word to Isaiah the prophet, tell him to pray for us. And Isaiah sends word back, you will be delivered. They didn't surrender that time, and Suddenly, the king of Assyria gets distracted by another fighting battle that's going on, but he sends this letter to Hezekiah. Don't think that you're going to get away with this. And the letter comes to him, and, and you, you know, you, you think the Lord's going to deliver you? Not a chance. You know, you better surrender. You know, you know, and, and, and there's the letter, and, 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 you know, and, and Hezekiah takes that letter, and he, lay, and he goes to the temple, and he lays it down. and says, Lord, here, look, look, look what he's saying. He's basically saying that, that you are impotent like every other God, but we know those gods are just wood and stone, but you are the living God. We have this prayer in the, in the book of 2 Kings. It's also in Isaiah 36 and 37. <laughs> he says, Lord God of Israel, who's enthroned on the cherubs, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the sky and the earth Pay attention, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and observe. Listen to the message Sennacherib sent and how he taunts the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. They have burned the gods of the nations, for they are not really gods, but only the product of human hands manufactured from wood and stone. That is why the Assyrians could destroy them. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you, Lord, are the only God. God responds, and it's recorded in Isaiah 36 and 37. You see, by all outward observation, it was a done deal. It was a matter of time before the walls of Jerusalem would fall and this king would take over. They didn't stand a chance on their own, except that they had now brought their concern to the king of kings. Hezekiah's like, it's not my name that I'm worried about, but they are insulting you, Lord. Would you just show them that there is a living God who hears his people? He goes to God. He brings it to God. He asks for God to fight on his behalf. The next morning, the king of Assyria gets up and he goes to the camp and it's quiet. He notices overhead there's large birds circling because all around are dead bodies. A true pandemic has entered the camp of Assyria, a real one. People are flopping, dying like, like 185,000 overnight die. That is a real plague, a, a serious pandemic. 
the real deal. The king's like, wow. He goes home and, and he's killed in his own temple in Assyria by his sons. I mean, what an ignoble death. How dare he defy What we find here is a group of men that want to control the narrative of life and of history in Jerusalem and Judea and around them. They're like, you know, the, the, these Jesus followers are really crimping the style of Judaism. We need to get rid of them. Shut up. Don't talk about Jesus at all. And there they come to God in prayer. They're not writing petitions. I've signed petitions, but I understand. Like, like, they understand that this is not about political process. It's not about greasing someone's palm or trying to find favor. Like, 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 Lord, we need your help. We need your help. And notice how they pray in there. Master of all, you who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. This, just like Hezekiah prayed, first of all, Lord, you're the, you're the creator. And as, as creator, you're sovereign. As sovereign, you own it all. As, as the owner of it all, you're master of it all. Who dares to defy the owner and the creator and the master of the, of, of the whole earth? They go to him. You made everything. It's all yours. We can pray to the God of, of creation. And we can also pray to the God of, of revelation. You see that in verse 25. Who said, by the Holy Spirit, through your servant David, our forefather, and then he quotes Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot foolish things? The kings of the earth stood together and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Christ. He quotes Psalm 2, the one I just read earlier in the pastoral moment. A psalm which reminds you that, that even a thousand years before Christ and even 2,000 years later, there are kingdoms and groups and leaders and different ideal ideologies that rise up in opposition to Christ. They rage. And the words used in Psalm 2 are, are words of, of the mouth. Like they're, they're speaking. They're, they're, you know, there's lots of words, but very little action. And it describes the futility of trying to fight against God. Why do they rage? Plot foolish things. Assemble together the Lord and against his Christ. Why? I mean, it just a thousand years before Christ, they're, they're writing this psalm talking about what's going to happen, but, but throughout every generation, there have been people that have tried to do this and continue to try to do this. Why? I remember two of the pastors in, in Alberta preached on this psalm in the midst of their turmoils because it was relevant. It was real to them. And there has been and there always will be this settled opposition against God and what he's doing. And when you take God's side, watch out for the fire. It's coming. Take the easy path. To take, the, take the compromise route. You're not going to have any issues in life. Just play the, play the winds and you'll be fine. Except that you'll not find real life because you'll just be floating everywhere. But if you choose to follow Christ, expect opposition. Expect a few bullets to whiz by your head once in a while because that's the way it works. You put a target on your body. When you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to share the message of new life in Jesus Christ, and this, this is wonderful, this is freedom, 
The rulers say, no, no, freedom. We're enslaved by God. We need to find our own freedom. And the Bible says, no, freedom is found when you get into relationship with the king. That's freedom. Everything else is pseudo-freedom. It's not real freedom. The absence of rules is not freedom. It's enslavement. A child that's not disciplined is a miserable child. Miserable. They're, they're an unsettled adult. They're purposeless. They, they lack boundaries and understanding. We are, are not healthy people if we're not disciplined. A great athlete is a disciplined athlete. A person good at their job is disciplined in, in their trade, in, their, in accounting. Whatever you do, I mean, you understand this. And the king disciplines us for, our, for his goodness and, and for our goodness and for his glory. He says, why do the nations rage? He, he, he's praying scripture here. You see, this is a good idea. Uh, if you want to pray and grow in your prayer life, to pray the Psalms and the words of God, and, and, and they're just crying out, saying, this seems to fit, Lord. They assembled against you. Then it says there in verse 27, for indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together in the city against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. I mean, there was a sinister plan involved here. But then notice what he says in verse 28. To do as much as your power and your plan had decided beforehand would happen. We pray to the God of creation, the God of revelation, and the God of history. It seemed awful at the time, but we see now that your power, your purpose, your plan was behind all of these events. So they're talking to God here. They're communicating with God. They still haven't asked him for anything yet. You notice that? They're giving him the glory. They're setting their hearts in tune with him, with scripture, with creation, with revelation, and with history. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we see how this was bad, but it turned out for good. A lot of bad stuff happens in our lives. God can take those bad events and transform them for his good and for his glory and his purposes. Don't be discouraged. A lot of you are depressed because you're Canadians right now. I understand. I, I share those sentiments at times because it's not a, this is not a country that honors God or respects him. We have gone as far away from him as we can in moral ways in family ways, we've confused our young people. We, you know, pretty soon it will be illegal for me to talk about sin because I'm hurting your feelings. You know, like that's that's a reality. And and and, and you know what? Like we have to embrace the scripture and say, well, this is true because you can't find freedom and forgiveness if you don't have sin in your life. If you don't acknowledge sin, then you just wonder why your life keeps going around and around in circles. It's because you you've got a problem that only God can deal with. And so finally, in verse 29, he gets to the prayer. And now, Lord, pay attention to their threats and grant to your servants to speak your message with great courage. Do you see the two requests there? Pay attention. And maybe that's something you, you need to pray and then with me, that's sort of, Lord, would you just pay attention to what's going on here? In our country, would you, would you pray attention to what's happening in our, in our city, Lord, would, would, would you help? to bring justice and righteousness in, into, the, in, into the places of power in, 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 in our country. Would you pay attention? Uh, more importantly, 
we need to be praying that God would pay attention to what's happening to Christians in Nigeria and North Korea and Eritrea and the Middle East and large portions of Asia. We need to say, Lord, would you pay attention to that? We live so comfortably here, but there's believers, man, that are really are facing this kind of stuff right now. Pay attention, Lord. And then this is the request. Grant to your servants to speak your message with great courage. Wouldn't you pray, Lord, stop it. Remove them from power. Make it easier for me to do this. Just give us courage. I mean, I'd probably be praying the other thing. Stop it. You know, make it easy, Lord, and you know, remove this trouble from me. Help my life to be easy and, and good and smooth sailing. They're not praying for that at all. They're just saying, just help us to be courageous, to not wuss out. I mean, this is Peter, remember? The guy who had already wussed out once. He's like, I don't want to do that again. Give me courage. It was 1945 in Romania. The end of the war, the communists had come in and had taken over and they had started this grand scheme to, to unify everyone under the banner of communism, including the, all the churches. And so they had this Congress and all the denominations were invited and all the denominational leaders were getting up and, and praising communism and how it could help their country and, and advance their purposes and make them a better nation and, and all these things. We should need to embrace communism. We need to embrace this ideology. And, and there in the upper area sat Richard Wormbrand and his wife Sabina. Just cringing at every speech that was shared. Everyone just going with the flow, riding the, the tide. And Richard and Sabina sat there, and this is not right. <laughs> she said to Richard, someone, someone needs to, oh, there it is, sorry. She said, wipe the shame from the face of Jesus, Richard. He said, you know, if I do this, uh, you're going to lose your husband. If I say something, because, I mean, they were both feeling this. She's like, you need to wipe the shame from the face of Jesus in this moment. You're going to lose your husband. And she said to him, I don't need a coward for a husband. <laughs> I think my wife would say the same thing. <laughs> and she's right. So Richard gets up, and he goes down, and he says, we need to glorify and honor Christ. First and foremost. He leaves there and seems to, and is able to continue ministry. He would, he would distribute Bibles to Russian soldiers. I mean, I mean, he, he's, you know, and he, he just fascinating. Just kept sharing the word and doing ministry, and it seemed like it was okay. And all of a sudden, 1948, some guys show up and Richard disappears. He's not heard from. Rumors circulate. His wife is told multiple times that he's been killed in prison, but no evidence is supplied. I mean, she herself is captured and forced to, to work on this canal project. And, 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 and all this time, the communists are telling him, look, Richard, just deny it. Just say you believe in communism. You can do both. You know, you, you, you can compromise. It's, it's fine. And he's like, I will not. I will not. There's a great movie on this. Yeah, I encourage you to watch it. These guys would preach, these, <laughs> these religious prisoners to each other. They'd preach sermons, and then they'd get dragged out and beaten because they were preaching. 
And then they get put back in their prison, and then they be okay, now where was I? All right, you know, blood's flowing from their face and swollen up. Oh, yeah, I was in, I was in 2 Corinthians 8. Let's, let's keep going, you know. And, I mean, they just kept sharing the word courageously. Richard would leave in the 60s and start this organization called Voice of the Martyrs, and a great organization that helps persecuted Christians across the world and just raises awareness of, of, of their reality, which is important. And so actually, I have pictures of them here. Sorry. Um, if we can go to that first picture. There we go. So here's Richard, and uh, I got another picture here. This is his uh, mugshot, eh? Um, and, you know, and, and then, of course, here's him and his wife, a faithful couple who spoke the word of God courageously. When everyone else was going one way, he dared to stand up and swim the opposite way. And then it comes back to verse 30 here. This is the, the verse here. It says, you know, uh, pay attention to the threats. Grant your servant courage. And he says, while you extend your hand to heal, to bring about miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So while we're preaching, you do some mighty acts around us. Our job is to share the word. Your job is to do miracles in people's lives. And that's what's happened since this very day to today. Every time a person comes to faith in Christ, that's a miracle. But God also does other miracles, and it's, it's fascinating. But we don't seek the miracles. We seek Christ. We preach Christ. We preach the word of God. And then God does his work in people's lives. And it says in verse 31, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God courageously. The filling of the Spirit didn't, produced a, a clear, courageous proclamation of the truth of the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. And they kept doing this. Luke writes this account from the first century to remind his readers that the, the Christianity is not a political movement. Even though in Rome they demanded that every loyal Roman citizen would burn incense to Caesar and, and Christians would refuse, it wasn't for political reasons, it was for spiritual reasons. We have one Lord, Christ is our Lord. And we cannot offer worship to any other Lord but him. And so when the heat is on, what will you do? It's way easier to go with the flow to not get in trouble, to choose the path of least resistance. You know, when someone's getting picked on in school and you just kind of walk by, pretend you don't see it, you're participating in it. But that is the path of least resistance, right? To step in and say, quit picking on him. Like, you're, you're putting a, you know, a target on your back. But now to say, yeah, you know what? There is salvation in Jesus Christ, but that means you acknowledge you're a sinner. You repent. You turn away from your sinful, selfish lifestyle and you turn to him. Because the history shows it, that if you oppose God, you never win. You never, ever win. If our governments would have read the scriptures, they might have handled the pandemic a little differently. If they would have implored us to pray for them, we would have done it. And God might have brought a much healthier resolution to what happened in Canada. But behind the scenes, men and women raged plotted with their own agendas that didn't include God. 
And we, the people of God, say, yeah, you know what? We acknowledge our leaders, but when they invite us to take a step that is not in accordance with what he's told us to do, like the apostles like, look, Jesus told us to share this truth. Now you're telling us not to share this truth. What are we supposed to do, right? Like, if, like, like I tell my kids, if you're ever in school and the teacher tells you to do something that we say we shouldn't do, don't do it. And you appeal to me, and no, 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 there's a higher authority than my teacher or my principal. It's, it's my parents who, who surrender to God's authority. And if they, if they say don't do it, I'm not doing it. The king invites us to follow him. And he says, you know, speak this message with courage. In the New Testament will say, you know, do it graciously, always give an answer appropriately. Say, you know, don't shove it down. But, but just don't stop sharing this message. Even when it's impopul- unpopular, maybe even illegal someday, keep sharing this message. Why? Because it is the message of freedom and of life. It's not the message that we share here at New Life Community Church. That you need Jesus Christ. That entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ means you, you follow him and, and, and surrender. Uh, this is, God's not passing out tickets to heaven and then you just keep living your life the way you want. That's not the way salvation works. You are, are turning over your allegiance and your loyalty to Christ and you're, you're letting him lead you, guide you, and give you the steps to take in your life. And God invites you to take those steps today to share Christ, to be courageous and bold. And so team, would you come up as we prepare to close our service and I hope that none of us have to experience what Richard and his wife experienced or what Hezekiah experienced or even what Peter and James had to experience, but you will be challenged in your faith. And the Holy Spirit gives us the courage to share the message of Christ. And our country needs it. Our city needs it. Our provinces need it. And so would you pray with me as the team prepares to lead us in our closing song? Let's, let's pray. Lord, you are the God of power. You're sovereign. You rule over all. You made everything. Your word is true and right. All your ways are righteous and holy. We confess that we have fallen short of your standard, of your glory. None of us deserves to be part of your family, yet through the grace of Jesus Christ, we find freedom and forgiveness. We pray for our country, O oh Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the many millions of babies that have been killed in our country. Lord, forgive us for the distortions of justice. Forgive us, Lord, have we've, as we've wandered away from the order that you've designed for, for life and for people, Lord, forgive us. Help us to speak the word of God courageously. And we pray as you've commanded us to for our leadership in our city hall, in our provincial legislatures, and in our House of Commons and Senate, Lord. We pray that there would be godly wisdom in those places, that they would turn to you and find your direction, and that you would remove those who stand in your way, Lord, and that you would establish healthy and godly leadership, Lord. And and give us the courage in in the face of whatever we face, Lord, to speak the truth courageously. To share the name of Jesus Christ everywhere we can. Lord, would you make 
this country a, a place that honors and fears your name. But first and foremost, Lord, would that happen in this place? May we respect you, honor you, fear you, and, and walk in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace, and may you have the courage this week to testify what Jesus Christ has done in your life. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.